Former first daughter Chelsea Clinton has announced that she and her husband are expecting their third child. In their coverage of the story, Fox News asked, but what about Hillary's emails announcing the baby? And finally, in a surprising move, the special counsel's office issued a statement late last week disputing claims made in a BuzzFeed article claiming President Trump directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress. Who cares about that? I'm way more pissed off about the claims of a BuzzFeed poll that I took last week that told me the Friends character I most like is Joey when everyone knows I'm a Chandler. The Trump Report starts now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Trump Report. I'm Christian Blatt, joined by Chelsea Galicia. Hello. And Scott Moore. Hey, guys. Yes, uh, as uh, we had some fun right up there at the top of the show, uh, BuzzFeed is uh, obviously a place that uh, people were hoping to start going to for their hard-hitting news. (laughs) And uh, lo and behold, a website with polls not just like the one I referenced, but can you recognize these celebrity taints? There are so many great BuzzFeed polls out there, but um, hard news I don't think is what they do. Scott? Do you, uh, first of all, were you really excited to move the impeachment clock, like, a little bit closer, and then you're like, oh, wait, it's BuzzFeed, right? <laughs> well, yes and no. I think we have to get into it a little bit more about Well, that, we can get a little bit into it, but, article, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, uh, there's, there's a couple of different ways to react to this, uh, Chelsea. Let's go with the unlikely scenario first, that uh, Robert Mueller's office says, hey, hey, you know, this, uh, this BuzzFeed article is, uh, you know, just not it's too accurate. On the note. Oh, I well, no, no, no. That's what, what they're saying is it's not accurate. And there's one scenario where it's just, hey, we wanted to say all this stuff. What are you doing? Come on, we got to get this stuff out there. So it's a little, maybe a little bit of a of a misdirect. Mm-hmm. Is is that what you think realistically happened, or is it maybe just what you hope happened? I really have no idea. I mean, I do think it's significant that they made a statement because they they don't ever talk about anything. They've only done this, as I understand it, maybe three times so far during this investigation. So it's meaningful that they did it. I, I, I didn't spend too long worrying about it. I'm like, the truth will eventually come out. And to say it's not... Accurate is not to say it's like untruthful, but it may have, I guess it said the context or characterization was incorrect. So this, the overall sentiment of it may be close to the truth. But right. What it says is that their characterization of comments made by Michael Cohen is not accurate. That's what it, that's what but uh, it the doesn't special counsel's say, office said. It doesn't say that didn't happen. Or it, I mean, I, I guess right. in a way you could interpret that statement not accurate to mean that. I don't know. I've I've stopped trying to um, untie the knot and just kind of let things unfold as they will. But it was interesting that this was a BuzzFeed article because at first I was like, oh, wow, OK, BuzzFeed is is taking it up mm-hmm. another level. And then this came out and like, oh, that's kind of embarrassing for them. But I saw an interview with the editor who who seemed... I guess you have to remain. You, you, or you, I mean, you have to at this point, unless he, unless somebody gives you the the proof of like, look, 
your article is definitely wrong. You know, if like the special prosecutor's office is like, we're going to sit down with you and we're going to tell you why you're so wrong. But, but if I'm if I'm generally rooting for the underdog, I'm rooting for BuzzFeed to be vindicated in this. But can I? I'm. You're right. I, within four minutes, <laughs> hey, look within at that. four minutes, oh, wow. this voice of uh, ladies and gentlemen, the 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 <laughs> voice uh, from the booth. Yes, <laughs> go ahead. We we don't have to identify you if you'd rather we don't. So this is what I hate about journalism now, and why I think BuzzFeed should never be counted as real journalism is because you can't use the sentence "it was inaccurate but still truthful." That's not a sentence you can use when it comes to journalism. You you have failed as a journalist if you put out an article that is, has false information in it. No matter how inaccurate, even if it's only 5% inaccurate, you shouldn't be putting that article out because it falsifies your entire argument when it's based upon something inaccurate. You can't just like say that, oh, it was mostly true. That's that's not something that should happen, and that's why so many things are going out here and being misconstrued, because you have 10 million people getting the wrong idea about something, and then only 5 million people checking their facts later and realizing that they're wrong. I mean, it's probably about 1 million people that check their facts, but I know what your I'm point is. Your point is absolutely accurate. And look, well, this is not the first time that uh, BuzzFeed has had a, uh, a blockbuster story. The uh, 2016 dossier, which, as uh, President Trump was quick to point out, was paid for by Crooked Hillary. Uh, but whatever you think about that story, that was a BuzzFeed story. And that was another time that they had to uh, back it up. I think people just want to believe certain people want to believe that some of these things are true. Like, oh, finally, we have some this proof. Let's just ignore the fact that it's BuzzFeed that said it. You know, I mean, it, you know, it's uh, I mean, TMZ is far more reliable because they have people on video saying things, at least. What were you going to say, Scott? Well, I was going to say it's kind of a two parter. One is the fact that um, regardless of who it is, if it's BuzzFeed or, or whatever, uh, the fact that he made a comment about it, the, the special prosecutor, doesn't necessarily mean that it was completely false uh, because he could have just let it go. I mean, he didn't. So for me, I didn't take it as, oh, he's saying this is wrong. Um, I think that because there's still an active investigation, there could have been things where they thought that it, it shouldn't be released right now. And the fact that they're still working with people and questioning people and trying to, to put everything together, because as I've said all along, Mueller's going to make sure that everything is airtight, buttoned up 100% before he releases his final report because he doesn't want Trump or anybody coming back and saying, see, this is a witch hunt because, like Stephen was saying, there's 5% here that's inaccurate. He has to make sure 100% of everything is correct. And he could still be working on things, and BuzzFeed put that story out before he was done with what he needed to get to make sure that everything was accurate and correct. So while he was in the middle of it, he wanted to kind of, like you said, almost like a misdirect, not saying that it was... Well, I'm saying it's possible that it might be that. But that's what I'm saying is the fact that he had to make that comment to me made it seem more like there was truth to it and that he was still in the middle of this active investigation and that if things got out before they could finalize it, it was going to mess up what they were fact-finding and getting and making sure this was airtight rather than it just not being accurate because it doesn't matter at that point. I mean, when he has his own report, he would say at that point it well, wasn't in there or not so regardless of whether or not the buzzfeed article is accurate like but whether it is or it isn't it's still not something that the special prosecutor's office would want out there because now then that dictates the narrative and clearly they really are as you're saying they're focused on when this thing is ready, it's going to come right. out, and we're going to put it out in the way we, the want, way we to. want to. Exactly. Little bits here and there, right? And you know, we know how to roll out one of these things. Exactly, and that's why I felt that they made the extraordinary step of doing that. Not so much that it was 
totally 5% false or whatever. It was the fact that they are in the middle of this and they're close to wrapping up and they need to make sure they have everything buttoned up. But on the flip side, I always thought it was stupid. And I thought, could he really be that stupid that he would point blank tell someone to lie? And I'm like, well, maybe because he's gotten away with everything all the time. But I think we talked about it a little bit last week because I thought it was kind of crazy to think he would have been that stupid to actually point blank tell him to lie to Congress. Right. I mean, I think that, I mean, that no, that's, that's, that's one of those jobs that's got Don Jr. written all over it. You know, I mean, just you give it to somebody else to do. So, uh, so This is Michael Cohen of the Cohen Brothers films, <laughs> correct? Yes, that's that. It's that Michael Cohen. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, uh, Chelsea, so what do you think happens uh, with this? Do you think the, the story has gone away now and we'll never hear from these BuzzFeed reporters again? Ooh, I doubt it. Because they're actually making the rounds and they're like oh, yeah. saying they're standing by their story, which right. you have to up until a point. I mean, they let's let's just give them the benefit of the doubt that they really believe that this is accurate. You know, that George Soros didn't give them a briefcase full of money and oh, told yeah, them to write guys. this. <laughs> uh, so uh, I I mean, what do you think it would take for these reporters to have to, you know, actually back down, you know, from their claims? For Mueller's office to say they are in they, they falsify yeah, yeah. this, right. and I would love to live in the world that Stephen Ad, not Stephen, we shall call him Dave. <laughs> <laughs> that our friend Dave, the mystery voice in the booth, advocates for. Um, I I don't know any media outlet that's gotten it a hundred percent right all of the time. And although I do like the truth and that the media should have a responsibility for reporting only the the truth, I um, in the balance of of truth and um, disclosure of what uh, so some kind some investigation has shown for for an. For BuzzFeed to be like 100% correct, maybe they would have needed to wait like three more months to report the, the story. It, would that have been smarter? I, I, so, I don't know. But there is a balance. It feels like it's if it's one-tenth percent inaccurate or, or false, then the whole story is bad. I don't know if that's really the standard. And I wish it was, but it also cannot be the standard if... But here's, Wasn't it here's go, go ahead, mystery voice. So this is this is what the issue with your argument is, though, Chelsea. And it's not it's not because you're wrong at all. Because if journalism was mostly that, and then there were stories that were like this, then it'd be totally fine. Because you think, oh, that's the few and far between. But the fact is, everyone's so eager to jump on anything that puts Trump in a negative light or makes this whole thing blow up, they don't wait to do their due diligence. So it's concrete, and that's what we've been seeing for the past four years, and even before he was elected, is, and that's the reason why he won't be impeached. It's like, there is so much that they could use to impeach him, but everyone's just jumping on it immediately and reporting on stuff that's half-cocked that they're not taking the time to do their due diligence, which just makes it so the other side rips it apart. The Democrats have done the same thing, too, in that whenever uh, the Republicans report on something, they jump on it so quickly that, you know, it's half-cocked, half-untrue, or even like, two-tenths untrue, and then all you have to do is point out the untruths, and then it completely invalidates the articles. So that's what that's what normal people consider fake news, as opposed to the, the Trump fake news retort that doesn't really make sense. The, the fake news of the normal people is 
they see an article, they're like, oh, that's bad. And then they see one fallacy or the other side brings up one fallacy with the article and then in their mind it's tainted and now everyone's a liar. So the fact is, is that every single journalist lately, for since Trump was elected, has been jumping on everything without providing anything concrete to make sure that their article is, is watertight. And as soon as it has a hole in it, it's just ripped apart by the other side. And that's why you can't hold ground against Trump. I would I would submit that even if something is airtight, watertight, whatever tight, that the other side would still find something in it that they would say is untrue. Uh, I, I, I think that we don't always know if some of the reporting is true or not true because we don't have... Mueller's final report. So, yeah. I'm, but I'm mentioning things aside from Mueller. Like, when, when people are trying to stir up, intentionally stir up the, the pot to make people dislike Trump more. It's like you need to just let him let people dislike him for the stuff that he's doing because all of it's dislikable. Yeah, I mean, that's something we've talked about on the show a lot, Mystery Voice, is that there are, like you said, there are so many things that you can actually, like, these are facts, these are things we can use against him. As soon as there's something very sensationalistic, uh, I'm not even talking specifically about this uh, BuzzFeed. We've talked about articles that have, there are things that have been retracted and at least walked back, where it's like, yeah, you were so quick to do that. Now, all the good work that you're doing, you, and I don't mean BuzzFeed, but, you know, like an organization like the Washington Post, you're like, well, you had to, you had that one story you had to retract. So now people are going to wonder about the 20 other ones that you didn't have to retract because they were accurate. So I do think people are in a rush because a rush to be the first to convict him. And uh, sometimes it's, you know, due diligence sometimes isn't even thought of, you know, and, and like to Chelsea's point. This article could be proven to be accurate. I, I find that, you know, a little bit unlikely, but I realize it's entirely possible, but it wouldn't play out for a few months. What were you going to say, Scott? No, I was going to say I, I agree with the man in the booth in the sense that um, when you do have something that's inaccurate, obviously it's going to play to the red meat. The base are going to be like, yes, that really is fake news. See, they they lied. Um, but like you were saying, Christian, part of the issue that we have today is that people do feel the rush to get things out right away because of the fact it's not just CBS, NBC, and ABC anymore. Like, you know, if this was during the Nixon time period, you had the three networks and everyone had time to gather their their stuff and they were working because you didn't have the competition. But now you have a BuzzFeed, you have, a, a, you know, internet, digital companies everywhere. Yeah, that... I mean, I, I've made jokes about it, but it's like, you're worried now about getting scooped by right. the website that makes lists right. and quizzes. Right, by BuzzFeed. Like, so... You're like, seriously, like, now I have to worry about BuzzFeed getting to this story before I So the I point do. is, now people are at such a rush, because, like you said, Christian, they don't want to be second to a possible huge story, but when they're doing that, they're letting uh, gaping things occur, where they're not maybe getting the second source, or they're getting a source that may not be the most reliable. And that's where it plays into Trump with the fake news and his his you know people and then you know his base because they're feeling okay well now you have one thing like you were saying ten times the story is accurate but that eleventh time it's not and that's all that people remember is what happened with that eleventh story and, when that was not and, accurate. Yeah, and media has come off the media has lost all credibility over the past few years. Well, well I mean I think there are no there are people that do feel exactly the way that our mystery guest does. You know I think that there are people that are just like yeah I don't know what I can believe because I know and. Anytime you give Trump something to point to, it's like, mm -hmm. see, fake news. Now, as referenced earlier, what he means when he says fake news is people who don't like him and unfolding right. stories about him. But when you can actually say, this is not a real story, I told you, 
you know, this is a great day for our country, but a bad, bad day for the media. You know, he's able to say things like that. Uh, it definitely sets back any kind of actual, you know, I, I don't even know what you have that's equivalent to this story right now. You know, that is, that is factual. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are, are being pointed to. But right now, it's not like we have like, well, you know, we what we do have is this other story that you can try to immediately, you know, negate the BuzzFeed story. And you have to wonder, too. It's like, well, I have a really big scoop that I was going to roll out this week, but I got to wait now, you know, and and I got to hope that nobody else gets it. Because if you come in right after the BuzzFeed article, uh, who knows uh, what there is to do? Go ahead, uh, Scott. No, but I, I thought the most ironic thing was here they are, you know, calling this a witch hunt for the past two years and everything. But the moment he says something that even seems remotely in their favor him and all of his people are the first people to talk about, oh, look, look, he came out and said. So I'm like, it, it, it just always cracks me up that even then, now all of a sudden... Mueller's right. Mueller's right, because he made this comment that you could take a lot of different ways like we were talking about. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily false. It's meaning that he's in the middle of the, the final stretch of his investigation and he wants to make sure nothing gets out ahead of stuff. But yet they were the first to say, great. And then you have Rudy Giuliani, you have kellyanne conway you have uh sarah and you have trump everyone's talking about oh look Mueller had to step in so yeah this is all you know fake news and everything which i thought was very ironic after he has bashed this whole investigation for two years unless it's in his favor right. of course uh before we move on uh in the chat our scott brown uh, gives us the uh the actual quote buzzfeed's description of specific statements to the special counsel's office and characterization of documents and testimony obtained by this office regarding Michael Cohen's congressional testimony are not accurate. So it's basically what we're saying right. is that they're not saying like there's not a shred of truth right. in this article, but they're saying that these, you know, their characterization of the comments is not accurate. Uh, let's uh, move on to what I wasn't planning on speaking about just next, but uh, because you brought him up, uh, Rudy Jalani, Giuliani, <laughs> saying yeah. that uh, I, I don't know how he still gets to speak on the record. I don't know how he's representing any organization, much less the White House, uh, saying earlier today that he's worried that it's going to say on his uh, tombstone that I lied for Trump. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he realizes a little later, I mean, not that I lied, but that's what people think. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know what I mean. How about Jeter? Anyway, uh, so what do you think? Sorry, guys. Rudy's just kind of a joke at this point. I mean, he yeah. can't. No, I, he absolutely he is. is. Yep. And... I don't know why he is – he has any kind of authority to ever speak well on anything, you know? I mean he should be, you know, wandering around the White House, you know, I don't know, writing legal briefs that nobody reads, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, – do you think that's what it's going to stay say on his uh, tombstone? Because it wasn't that long ago, Chelsea, that uh, he was America's mayor. He was beloved and uh, he, was, he was a lock – for president in 2008, mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, I did a mm -hmm. political talk radio show that launched in 2007, and that whole first show was all about like, well, yeah, obviously Rudy's going to be president. Mm -hmm. Wow, you know, right? Because of course he's going to beat Hillary because nobody likes Hillary. Now that mm -hmm. part was apparently right mm -hmm. that people don't like Hillary, but uh, I mean, uh, it's it's been a long decade for Rudy, mm -hmm. wouldn't you say, Chelsea? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think he's come a long way, not in the best way, from being... <laughs> no, he was in a much better place before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, at, during 9-11, um, he had... Uh, I, I think he was held in high regard. Yes. Um, not, not, an e so not an easy anymore. thing for someone to handle, and I, I think people thought he handled it well. He was already a 
you know, look, to be a Republican mayor of New York City, you obviously have to say something that resounds well with Democrats or you're never going to get elected. So, uh, yeah, he... What did he say? And he was at the end of his second term, too, when... He, 9-11 happened. He, he was, was not going to be out. able to run again. Right. Yeah. He was on his way out, and this was yeah. the last few months. So What he said was, hi, my name's Rudy mm-hmm. Giuliani. I'm not David Dinkins. And then he won. Mm-hmm. That's all it took. Oh, okay. It's for the New Yorkers out there. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so, uh, Scott, when you hear these things from Rudy, uh, I mean, never surprised. Never surprised anything out of the White House. Right. I have to admit, that surprised me a little bit. That he said it's going to say on my tombstone that I lied for Trump. <laughs> well, it's like part of it is I feel like a whole strategy for this administration at large is just continue to throw stuff out there enough to just throw everybody off and confuse everybody. And so part of my my thought is, are they purposely doing this? Just have him say whatever the heck he wants and say some things that are kind of shocking, but then kind of try to backtrack later. Like, oh, no, I wasn't really meaning that. But, yeah, I was kind of meaning this. And make it so confusing that no one really knows what he's talking about anymore because it just feels like the MO of this administration is to just throw everything out there. Um, And it doesn't matter. And Trump's just like, we'll say whatever. Because you know, when you have so much chaos going on, which is the way Trump seems to thrive, then it makes it much more difficult when it goes back again, kind of throwing back to the media issue is like, if you're throwing so much stuff out there, then what are you even covering of what Giuliani is saying? Because he's just so all over the place. You're like, what is going on? Yeah. And it's just like he has the the go-ahead to just say anything. That totally resonates it, with me because when he speaks, like, it seems to be, like, in chunks of, like, weeks. Mm-hmm. And in a Giuliani week, I kind of, like, get so mentally exhausted about what I'm going to have to untangle right. that I just am like, ah, eh, forget about it. Right. So I think you're you're totally right in that it kind of distracts me from paying mm-hmm. attention to what's going on. And so if that's his goal, I guess with me, he's succeeding. But now I'm getting hip to that, and so I'm not going to let that happen. Well, you know, well here's, a Giuliana ten, here's a Giuliani 10-year challenge, guys. 2009 <laughs> on the left, he's very happy. Yeah, very happy. 2019 on the right, he's he turned that frown upside down. Yeah, that's that's a great. That's yeah, great. yeah. Nice. He's had a rough decade. But you know yeah, what? Even ten years ago, always a handsome fellow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with yeah. us, Mystery Boys. Uh, so specifically, what he said—not uh, yesterday, but Sunday—he uh, he made the headlines before the headline I started with was that uh, he said President Trump may have been involved in conversations mm-hmm. about the efforts to build a Trump Tower in Moscow up until Election Day, uh, saying that the talks were going on from the day that he announced to the day that he won. And uh, then it, it took a full day for him to say, well, you know, these are these are hypothetical, not based on conversations and, quote, did not represent the actual timing or circumstances of any discussions. And then also telling the New Yorker, I did not say that when uh, reading back mm-hmm. a quote that he had said. Uh, so our Scott Brown in the chat has the theory that, uh, and he's brought this up before, that um, Trump is just setting Rudy up as a, as a fall guy, mm-hmm. like pinning as much blame as he can on him. Oh, but, you know, I don't know exactly what he is lying about that, uh, you know, he could do jail for. You know, I mean, it's uh, go to jail for, pardon me. Uh, but what were you going to say, Scott? Well, no, it's just, again, it's the same thing with Trump. He says one thing and then later on he changes his mind. So, again, that's from that same page. And then it's like we have video or audio of you saying this exact thing that you're not claiming you didn't say. And, uh, you know, another thing is if you're if you're putting every option out there or every possibility, then when the investigation comes through and you hear what actually happened, it's almost like they've at least tried to put the bad news out there ahead of time in a way, too, which a lot of, you know, crisis PR people will tell you to do, too, is like, go ahead and get the bad news out 
first. So then when the news actually does come out, it sort of lessens the punch because now you've already you've already personally said this is the bad news. That kind of softens the blow a little bit. At, at the same time, you're confusing people, but you're still getting everything out there. So when inevitably the, the report comes out, they'll be able to say, oh, yeah, we... We, we told you, you know, yeah. back in January no that secret. there's a chance that this could be, a, you know, that he may have lied or he may have done this. And and so that's another tactic that they could be employing as well is trying to soften the, yeah. the bad news, as, as a lot of crisis PR people will tell you. We put it out there and the American yep. people still support this. Right. Exactly. So they don't care. Right. This well, is like hmm. not a big deal. There's just like. I mean, if you take a if you take a canvas and paint it black and then you keep throwing black paint on mm-hmm. it. I mean, nobody really notices the black paint. It's just like if week after week after week after week, Trump is the news and it's all negative, there's never going to be anything mm-hmm. new that's like, oh, my God, this is worse than the other exactly. thing. Exactly. But right. it's the same reason as the journalistic in, – in challenging the journalistic integrity is if there's ever a news week where nothing's actually happening, they'll make up something or change a story to be negative to Trump, which just lessens their blow and the things that actually matter that he's doing – come out right i mean i think that there's uh there's no one who uh i think it's more true about that uh, there's uh, you know all publicity is good publicity because what as we're saying what rudy giuliani has done here has completely muddied the waters Mm -hmm. on moscow uh russia Mm -hmm. all those interactions we're like yeah, I don't know what to think. Right. I, I'm inclined to think, like, when Rudy says something, I'm inclined to think that the opposite is true. <laughs> yeah. But then I don't know, because maybe that's what they're counting on. Uh, the uh, State of the Union address uh, ought to be a week from tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems very unlikely that it will be held in the traditional fashion, the two chambers of Congress. Uh, it's I actually for- going to be at a Burger King now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, by the way. I, I hope that uh, the Burger King is actually there in attendance. And I think that, uh, you know, it's uh, obviously there's uh, some back and forth in politics here. Nancy Pelosi basically disinvites the president from giving the State of the Union address because it's, uh, you know, it's under her purview. Although, according to Steny Hoyer, he could actually still give it even though she doesn't want him to. So I I don't I think that they should probably have their message a little bit more unified. And then, uh, well, before we move into President Trump's retaliation, I hear that and I'm like, well, you know what? She even suggested, Nancy Pelosi suggested that he give the speech from the Oval Office. And I was like, well, great. Let's do that. That's mm-hmm. better for all of us. Because what's the worst thing about the State of the Union? How excited everybody is to show how they were the first one to stand up and applaud. And everybody's clapping, clapping, on clapping. On one side. On the one side. Yeah. And this is, look, this is a completely bipartisan right. commentary. Yeah. Same thing happened with Obama. Right. And then on the other side is like, do you see me sitting on my hands? Uh-huh. I'm not clapping. Look, I'm still sitting. And then it's just like I, I, the State of the Union address could be over in 20 minutes if, without all of the applause breaks. So I welcome them not holding it. And I think, yeah, you know, there's a government shutdown. Let's not spend all that money. Let's let's just flip on a camera at the Oval Office. Or tweet. No, because I, I don't want to read it. I still want to hear it. <laughs> All well, right. I was going to say, go back to the, because uh, I hate his voice, but I'm like, go back to the, <laughs> go back to the written ones. I mean, right. That's and then you, what the and then you could have did. Siri read it to you and there would that, be more yeah, pleasant. That's, that, that's what the president did for years and years and years. This is a relatively new phenomenon. So, I mean, of course, we know Trump loves to be in the, in the spotlight and everything. So this is a way of, of getting back at him. But he could very easily just send his written report in. And, and why would he want to have... I mean, obviously, you'd want to say things about you know, blaming the Democrats or whatever, but how do you have a really nice State of the Union speech when the government's still shut down anyways? It doesn't look good at all for anybody. 
right. to have it. But he, I think he I think either way he'll he'll get more hay out of the State of the Union by not being able to deliver it, you know, by being blocked. But that's what I'm saying. If he would wait... Deliver it from the wall. And make it... Yeah, make it... Politicize it. You're saying that as a joke, but that's Mm -hmm. that's something that I've read, is Mm -hmm. that the the, uh, Texas-Mexico border is a place where he... Not actually at the border, but, you know, near there. San Antonio? uh, 150 (laughs) miles from... 150 miles. It's close enough. With a wall that doesn't exist? Yes. So he's... uh, That's one of the options. Apparently, there are two versions of the State of the Union written right now. There's one, if he delivers it in at least a semi-traditional manner. The other is so that he could do it as one of his rallies, uh, you know, held near a border. I, I don't, you know, maybe it's the uh, the Oklahoma-Texas border. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I really hope that those two states border each other. Yeah, they do. Okay, great. <laughs> I was really worried for a second there. Um, but in any case, I think that... Uh, I think, and Chelsea and I were speaking about this beforehand, I think he's going to speak somewhere next Tuesday. And if it's not the State of the Union address, as we've come to see it, uh, I also don't think it will be just him in front of the camera at the Oval Office. It'll be somewhere where he'll get bigger and longer applause breaks, like Mm -hmm. one of his rallies. Right, he needs the energy to feed off of, because for him to do a speech like that would just be horrible. We've seen seen the teleprompter speeches very recently. And uh, they're, yeah, they don't... It's not a strong suit. No, That's not, not what he does well, you know. Uh, and look, there there's definitely an art form to reading a teleprompter well, and uh, th- that's not what he does, you know. And he needs to feed off an audience that's going to adore him and applaud and make him feel, you know, like he's saying the best things ever. Mm-hmm. And he can't do that if uh, he's sitting in a, by himself in the Oval Office or wherever that's going to be that doesn't have anybody there. Do you, Chelsea, do you hope that the uh, State of the Union is not held... Uh, next Tuesday, that just it, it, the speech is given maybe at a later date, or, or or you know maybe not at all is what you're hoping. Uh, I don't know if I don't want it to be held at all. Um, some of the traditions of the country, well, it's not even just a tradition. It's you know the president is supposed to provide a State of the Union. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I don't much have a preference for whether it's in writing now or spoken later. I think probably just be easier for all of us it would just be in writing i don't even care if it's by tweet (laughs) um then we can go tweet by tweet and say what's you know accurate inaccurate Mm -hmm. or our 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 interpretation of each line um i I don't think that it makes a big difference to the lives of americans so eh, it doesn't bother me either way I, I think i think no matter what trump wins with the speed with the state of the union unfortunately for us uh my reasoning behind that is the people who elected him want the wall. They're the majority that doesn't get on Twitter. They're the majority that doesn't be vocal on social media. They're just the people who are working and they want the wall because they don't really check their facts and they don't care about you checking Trump's facts. They just want to hear something that makes them agree with it. And when you look at these state of the unions, especially now that the government's been shut down for 30 days, Trump's going to come out there and basically say, it's already cost us more than $5 billion to have the government shut down for 30 days. Uh, I'm doing what I can for you, speaking to the people who are voting for him, to get this wall built, and the Democrats won't work with me. So he's creating – he's making – he's vilifying the Democrats, the people who support him, because basically he's running on a platform right now. This is a game of chicken as to whether or not he can run for president in uh, 2020 right now, is if he gives up on this wall, this is his last stand. This is the chicken game. If he backs down, he loses all of his voter confidence. 
if he doesn't back down, he loses, he gets the pissed off government employees, but, you know, he's still, everything is blamed on the Democrats for not building it when it's already costing more than the wall would cost. So he's in a win-win situation. He's going to continue to just keep it shut down until the Democrats cave because he can't run in 2020 if he doesn't get it built. Right. I mean, I think that it'll eat into his base so much if he if he is seen give, actually giving in in any way. So I think what we've talked about, uh, even as recently as last week, uh, Scott and I were talking about this. Well, we were all talking about it. But the idea that at some point it's going to have to seem to Mitch McConnell that they have to actually do an end run mm-hmm. around the president and do it without him and reopen the government without him. But at the moment, you still have the – where are there, 53 Republican senators? Mm-hmm. They're – uh, no one's outspoken as being willing to uh, vote against it. You know, basically they're all in favor of him getting his wall funding. Well, not 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 everybody. Well, there, but nobody's saying that they would definitively vote to reopen the government unless I've missed something. Well, I, I think it's been kind of on the line because it hasn't gotten to that yet. But right. um, the one right, thing they I don't, that's a great point. You don't have to promise that until right, they, yeah. until they vote, and they haven't done that yet. Um, the the one thing I'll agree with the man in the booth is the fact that him doing the speech. He has the bully pulpit, which means he does get the say that's bigger than the Democratic response. So he does have the way of shaping this issue right now with the government shutdown, you know, and and the Democrats are slowly creeping up as far as getting more of the blame. So he does have the ability to get that win in that sense. But I also um, don't believe that it would still be good for him to do a speech for the majority of the country that doesn't support what he's doing to then say because how can you go up and say the state of the union is strong right now if you've got a partial government shutdown it just doesn't look good Mm. and at the end of the day you are still the president and you're the one that gets the final blame because it is still you that is representing the government and if you go out and say oh the state of the union is strong how can you say that when you have a partial government shutdown so that's the only thing that would be a little bit if he had him if he had shame well, no, he doesn't have shame, but I'm thinking for the majority of the people that don't agree yeah. with him, to have him go out and say anything doesn't help his cause because he's going after a smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller base. And as we were saying, we haven't had a vote yet, and there are Republican senators that are definitely on the line, like Cory Gardner in Colorado, like Susan Collins in Maine, like Lisa Murkowski in Alaska. The people that are going to have to go out and get reelected next year in a presidential year that's going to be very difficult for Republicans in general in Democratic states like Maine and Colorado. So you're going to see more of those Republicans that are going to be up for reelection next year that are going to be more concerned about their own ability to get picked up again if they keep this going for much longer. Because as we've talked about, the majority of the furloughed workers are not in D.C. Mm-hmm. They're in Utah. They're in Colorado. Right. They're in Alaska. They're in places around the country that are not just – D.C. federal workers. So it is starting to hurt their individual states. So if we get four or five of Republican senators saying, you know, we can't do this anymore, then you're not going to have enough to, um, you know, you're going to have enough to, or, or I should say you have enough to pass over Mitch Right. Well, objections. to the point, uh, there, uh, sent, earlier today in the Senate, both Republicans and Democrats have uh, scheduled procedural votes. That'll be this Thursday. Uh, and I guess there will be two bills. Mm-hmm. One that does indeed give the 5.7. I swear the, the the cost of that wall has already gone up 
from the from the first deal. I thought it was five point one at first. Anyway, five point yeah, seven billion. They're installing misters. <laughs> well, that's nice of them. So you can't say it's inhumane. Anyway, oh uh, five point seven billion dollars. Oh, that was basically for you, Chelsea. Five point seven billion dollar uh, funding for the border wall. And then there's also going to be a competing bill that would fund the government through February 8th, which, by the way, is my birthday. So uh, if you like, want to give me some government funding, just send it here. Which is like two weeks away, too. Wait, which can is we, just can we just remember something? And, and Stephen kind of said that the cost of the shutdown is going to exceed the cost of the wall. But let's remember, this $5 billion is not the cost of the wall. It's the beginning. It's like a well, down it's, payment. It's what he's asked yeah. for. It's yes. like a down payment the, the, to the wall. Sure. Right. It's like $25 it's, billion was the most recent am- amount that I recall here. I mean, it, it's gone up. It's the it's the ante. It's the buy-in in the poker game that is the let's build the wall. Well, uh, if the government invested in loot crates, maybe they could make that back. <laughs> Are they sponsoring us this week? No, but uh, just like the, the gaming stuff brings in so much with just like yeah. if the government started producing apps or like charging for things like that, they'd pull in way more money. So, but uh, to my point about the vote that'll be happening on Thursday is that we are at least starting to see mm-hmm. maybe the slight crack, which, and again, as we were just saying, it's really good. McConnell has to has to really push it through. And so he's saying, like, oh, you guys can vote on these, uh, which sort of won't matter if everybody's going to stay lockstep. Now, Scott, you think, so it would need to be five, right? We'd, you'd have to lose five people, uh, five Republicans would have to side with Democrats. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my understanding is that Democrats are certainly all united. There's nobody that's leaning wall right now, (laughs) wall funding. Right now, even Joe Manchin, who would be the one that I would think could maybe move over because he's the only one left. All the rest of the Democrats that were in red states ended up losing last year. So you don't have those anymore. So Joe Manchin is the most conservative that's left on the Democratic side. And so far, he's not either. And John Tester is not. Um, who won by a big margin in Montana when it was all said and done. John so. Tester came, made a huge long statement about how this wall funding is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not like people care because of the border he's got in his... It's Canada. Right. right so. But at the same time, he's in a very red state overall, and he still ended up winning by a very big margin, you know, and just like when uh, um, he won last time with uh, uh, during the Democratic year, because we have a Democratic governor there too. So Montana's an interesting state, but it's still very red. Uh, so obviously, I think the majority of people expect that neither one of these measures is going to pass. But Chelsea, do you think that the fact that there we've gotten this far, do you think it's an indication that the the Senate Republicans and Democrats actually could sit down and be like, right, let's figure out what well, we can actually do the, short term to last, get people back to work? The last that I heard, McConnell refused to even allow a vote. Well, he's saying it will happen on Thursday. Yeah, and, so and, this is, just, and this is and this is and this is from uh, from the failing New York Times that I'm reading this. So <laughs> like earlier today, yes, it's yeah. from oh, today. okay, yeah, because yeah. this morning he certainly was. Still yeah, wow. no, that's why it surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay, Thursday could be an interesting mm-hmm. day. Yeah, I mean it'll be like really boring at first because the both will get passed down, but then we'll see what they do uh, after the fact. Well, I'll be curious to see how Martha McSally votes too, because again, that you have this Republican in a kind of purplish state, a border state. That was appointed. How is she going to vote um, on this border wall? Because this will be the first real test, I think, for her as well. Because um, you see how some of the other ones are going to be voting. But it, will she? I mean, Mitt Romney sounds like he was going to vote for wall funding. You know, again, somebody that was kind of more all talk. It was like Trump needs to check himself, essentially. But now he's going to vote for the wall, apparently. So, like, how will Martha McSally vote? How will Susan Collins, Cory Gardner, and Lisa Murkowski? Those will be the main ones that I'll be watching on the Republican side. Can I just ask how you guys see this game of chicken playing out? 
Well, we've talked a lot about it uh, the last couple of weeks is that Nancy Pelosi is in a situation where she can't back down. President Trump is in a situation where he can't back down. So it really is going to have to be the Senate will make something happen one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I think best case scenario is that there's temporary funding and then this goes on longer. But by getting the temporary funding, you sort of lose the issue of the 800,000 federal employees uh, increasingly disgruntled federal employees from what I understand. Uh, you know, which includes the Coast Guard, you know. So, I mean, there, there are, you know, the idea that these are non-essential government employees is uh, is all fine and good until you actually need one of these agencies to do something for you. Uh, what do you think in response to Mystery Voice's question? I stand by my assertion from last week that Trump will have to uh, take less money, but he will blame it on another agency saying the, uh, that agency, Homeland Security, let's say, changed their mind about how much funding they actually need or the approach that they want to take. So he's changed his mind only because he was advised by the generals or by Border Patrol that they want a different plan. And do you think that if President Trump gets less money, he figures out a way to spin it as in, see, look, I got more money than I asked for, even though, like, say he gets $2 billion. He's like, look at that. That's more than I asked for. Very likely. <laughs> okay. Uh, Scott. I think that it's going to come down to he's going to have to take less. They'll probably compromise like half, like two, three billion or something, as opposed to the one point, whatever it was that the Democrats first offered and say, here's more. And there'll be some kind of compromise to that effect, but that he'll then blame it back on the Democrats and say, see, I wanted to open the government because of our workers and everything, and they were suffering so much, and your Democrats are the ones that have, you know, ruined this opportunity, and, you know, then he can... Because then if he does... The the problem is if he does get the wall um, and things don't change and and you're you're still having issues with what he's claiming with drugs and everything else, then... Which most come through ports of entry. But he has nowhere to now blame because now he has something like this this enemy that he can blame. But if he gets the wall money, then he can't really use that as an out anymore. Even though, like I've said all along, he could have touted the numbers of the lowest in 50 years of immigration and everything. But instead, they're inflating this to make this fake uh, issue, which doesn't really fly when you talk about them having two years to have had unified government to all of a sudden it's an emergency. And that's where I think a lot of people are not in agreement which is, you've had two years. Why is this now suddenly an emergency? And now you, you know. And so I think it, it's just going to be very difficult for him to get the full $5 billion, but I think he'll find a way to blame it on the Democrats if he gets half of it because he wants to open the government for, for the people. I, I Half is quite a stretch in my mind because I thought the Democrats are not going, were, their position was, we're not going to negotiate until you reopen the government. Well, I mean, that's their position, but I, I think at, at some point... There has to be, you know, I mean, that's I believe that's Pelosi's position. So I think that you can still have something happen in the Senate. Right. Like you said, the two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. But yeah. But I think that giving that stopgap means that they would be like, okay, it's open. So now Now we'll talk about it. Uh, What did you think about the move over the weekend to try and uh, tie this to like, well, we're going to we're going to extend amnesty. We're going to extend DACA for a little bit. And of course, no one took that deal, especially as I was reading earlier today, that, you know, after he made that offer, they uh, apparently put a few things in there that, uh, you know, made sure the Democrats wouldn't take it just in case they were considering it. But uh, as a as showmanship, which we talk a lot about, what do you think, uh, Scott, I'll ask you first about uh, President Trump saying, like, look, just give me the border wall. We're going to extend some uh, 
some amnesty for some of these people who are here, you know, uh, in terms of the the showmanship aspect. What did you think of that? Well, I think uh, from the showmanship side, it was smart in the sense that for people that are not as well-informed or anything else are thinking, oh, look, the Republicans are trying to compromise, and now the Democrats are looking like they're not compromising. So it was helping give him a one-up to say, hey, look, I'm trying to make a deal with the Democrats who are refusing. See, they're not going to take the bait. But it was also bad for some of the Republicans who are anti-amnesty at all. So some Republicans were upset by this. Um, and then, of course, you had Democrats upset because, again, Trump thrives on chaos. And this was something that he had already kind of taken away. And then the fact that it wasn't permanent was also not really a good deal because why are you going to say, OK, I'm going to give you money for this wall. But your thing that you're offering is only temporary for the next three years. And it only you know includes certain people meeting certain requirements. So. Um, you know, it wasn't a happy thing for those ardent Republicans as well as Democrats. So, but from a strictly showmanship, which he loves, it looked good because it looked like he was trying to compromise. He got the headlines that he wanted from right, what? and then it was Democrats are being evil. Chelsea, what did you think of uh, that attempt? I echo exactly what Scott said. Well, I mean, don't we all? I mean, <laughs> don't don't we all really echo what Scott says uh, at a given moment? Uh, when I know what's good for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> we all know. Uh, now, we only uh, have a few minutes left. And uh, there obviously was a lot of attention paid to this video, which people have seen either the snippets of or the longer version. I'm going to admit I did not watch a longer version. I also didn't watch a shorter one either. I just saw stills of it. So I feel like I did uh, no diligence. I was very you know, <laughs> undiligent. But... I, uh, so you're I, a journalist now. Yes, thank you very much. I, I'm going to wear. A, I'm going to uh, put a little little uh, bowler hat on with a little thing that says "scoop" at the top because that's what I'm up to. Uh, but uh, there was, of course, an immediate reaction to what looked like, oh, these are uh, some obnoxious white kids uh, getting in the face of a Native American veteran. Uh, as the story was reported, and then it turns out, I guess that he's not a veteran, and other Native Americans in his group call him a rabble rouser and apparently the whole thing was started by uh the rabbliest rousers <laughs> that i know of the black israelites who when i lived in new york just at a street corner louder than you can imagine <laughs> amplified the little setup uh just uh sharing their message let's say so i do think that uh you know people are very quick to be like yeah but did you see the whole video i'm like no i didn't see the short version either but clearly <laughs> my reaction based on the one still photo was not giving the story the uh, the right amount of uh, of attention, uh, but I didn't formulate an opinion and spout off about it. I what I did read, I was like, oh, that sounds really bad. I should find out more about it. And then by the time I wanted to, I, I heard that there was there was a lot more at work there. But then. The other side came back and said, no, actually, you were just gaslighted into believing that this wasn't something when it actually was. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's something. It's just not what the original portrayal of the story was. You know, I think that uh, the uh, the Native American, I think, approaches these kids. And by the way, these kids were out there on the mall because it was the uh, what do they call it? The the. Uh, the Right to Life Day, but I can't think of what they called it. There's a name for the yeah, event the, the, that they the, hold on the yeah, mall. Right, and right. Uh, I, I had it before, but uh, I've completely just – it slipped my mind. But it, they were there for that event. Right. So it was, a, it was a Catholic school from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that uh, you know anybody who sees people that would be at a – I think it's like a preparatory 
uh, it's a prep school. It's a Catholic prep school. So I think a lot of us probably have uh, feelings about uh, prep school kids when we see them. And uh, I think that it was designed to tap into that for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I think, you know, what what makes it difficult is that there was was – yeah, and I'm going to sound Trump on both sides, but well, three sides. But let's the, don't forget right, the Black the third, Israelites. Yes, yeah. but I think you know part of the issue is we, we're seeing a snapshot in this particular moment. But I believe you know that that realistically, even if uh, he was the rabble rouser that got them stirred up, I think there was definitely conflict already there because you had these students that were coming in in a very controversial setting that also could have maybe been saying things to them to get them extra riled up as well and then you saw the moment in that picture which did not look positive because they're wearing the hats and you know so you had stuff that was scowl on their faces they're they're, they're wearing the hats and and so you're drawing into something and into really a deep uh emotional side for both sides in that sense because you're going to get the people that are going to be like oh look here they are being you know intimidated by you, you could say either way. It's that the Native Americans are now intimidating these 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 poor kids that are just there for their right the march to life thing, and then you have the other side where you're seeing these kids with their Make America Great hats now intimidating these older Native American elder. And it, so you can look at that and be like, oh my gosh! So it was getting that snapshot that really just set the tone of really at that exact moment of what was going on. But then you see the video of all the kids dancing and having a good time But that's with what I'm saying. Too. Like, like, so you're capturing one but moment. But as in that's mocking him. Some people say that they weren't actually having a good time with him, but, but they were they were mocking him and being... But that's what makes it so difficult, and they captured it at a very particular this moment. Is, what's a... There was a, a, like a two... Like a different version of... Remember the dress? Do you see a white dress? Yeah. Or a cool? And, and the, then there... Or Yanni. Yeah, yes. Laurel. Yes. Which and everyone the, knows it was Laurel, but anyway. And the... Yes. And the, and the I, I feel like this... This image is similar to that. Well, People I think, will see it based on their own But that's projection. what I'm saying. You can project on it because you see this moment on either side could project onto it because right. they see what they want to see. And if from you that saw like a, like a two minute video, you could feel one way about it. And if you saw whatever right. it is, eight, 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you're going to feel a little bit different. differently. I uh, mean, last I, last I checked, um, people intimidating and assaulting speakers was a, was a democratic thing that's only allowed in universities, correct? Uh, I mean, in terms of the voices that were saying things like, uh, have you ever seen a more punchable face, which <laughs> my gut reaction is, uh, it's a little hard to dispute, but it is a kid. Kids do stupid things. Kids used to be able to do stupid things like, you know, make, but we will sm- no longer excuse boys being boys. I, hey, I said kids. I didn't <laughs> say boys. Well, I mean, well, a boy is a kid. Yeah. But I'm saying girls can do stupid things too. So but- let's just, uh, forget about. Like the hundreds of videos online of anyone watch, anyone wearing the red hat and being told, I'm going to kick your ass, I'm going to kick your ass, and then people being assaulted? Well, I wasn't even specifically talking about that. I was talking mm-hmm. about sort of high-profile people that were saying that uh, they were basically inciting. I think Kathy Griffin, go figure, was one of them, you know, saying that, uh, you know, I, it's things like that they hope that this kid gets hurt. And uh, to your point, yeah, I think that I think that to some people – Putting on the the Make America Great hat is definitely sort of an act of defiance of like no this is this is who I am, but it also opens you up to it shouldn't open you up to violence, but it could certainly open you up to altercation not and altercations reactions like, yeah bad reactions people are going to react poorly to it right like I remember not long after the election I was uh, I was having lunch in Toluca Lake and I saw somebody wearing that hat and I'm like I I, I got nothing to say to the guy. 
But I was just like, does he know where he is? And he's wearing that. Nobody said anything to him, you know? Uh, I don't know if his Which waitress... Is, I think the best thing you can do is just ignore yeah, them. Yeah, I don't know if his waitress spit in his eggs. I really don't know, <laughs> okay? But, you know, she might have. Uh, but anyway, so I think that I don't... Ex- you know, the real takeaway here is... I guess we should know more about a story before we uh, start spouting off. Because this is the one time I didn't say something. I was like, I don't know enough about this. I'm going to be quiet. Uh, it, that paid. That seemed to pay off. What were you going to say, Chelsea? But then, we in go? the end, it, it the same side who was upset about what they saw in the short clip, they still were upset when they saw the longer clip. So it's really what you want to see, and it or what mm-hmm. your perspective is, kind of your sort of internal um, bias and I I I wish that uh, people weren't you know yelling I'm going to kick your whatever whatever mm-hmm. either side wouldn't do that and I hope the voice in the booth would agree with me that both sides do that at the same time I don't want to um, condemn them too strongly because in my mind I'm like at least they're engaged in the conversation and that we will in my mind mature into realizing that you don't um, I guess fight fire with fire and create peace that way um, you're just going to burn us all down but that's going to take some maturity on our parts or some shift in consciousness or an evolution in our spirit whatever you want to to call it Um, But right now we are, we, especially young kids, are are barely learning how to be engaged in in, uh, politics. I guess this generation, like the 60s did it, but then sort of kids went quiet for uh, a while, probably because they were afraid to speak up or things were seemed fine enough. They didn't need to speak up. But now it's like new, a new generation is getting involved and they're, they're, they're not that good at expressing their protest or their support for things. They're going to mess things up. It's going to look ucky. And yeah, you're right, Stephen, the, the kids with the make America great hats shouldn't be threatened, nor should the other side be threatened. But I, I think we should just con- continue to encourage people to say what they believe and to get involved, but then how to do it effectively. Right. I mean, their point of view uh, is uh, not necessarily one that you would or wouldn't agree with, but they're there, these kids that we're talking about, because it was this uh, Right to Life Day, you Mm -hmm. know, and so they felt very strongly about that cause, and that was them getting involved. And uh, I do think that's sort of what you're getting to see. And then I'm going to assume that you know, their Catholic school in Kentucky doesn't really have a lot of, uh, you know, conflict. You know, I think that it's a little bit of an echo chamber. Exactly. Anyway, we'll leave it in there. Their, in their community. Yes, yeah. uh, we'll leave it there. And uh, we'll be back next week, maybe talking about the State of the Union. Follow us on Twitter at Trump Report ABTV, and uh, we'll let you know when you can find us. You can find me at Christian DMZ. Chelsea, where do you find At Chelsea Galicia. And you can find me at SMAN80. Thank you, Mystery Voice in the Booth. We will see everybody next week. Bye. Our Bye. founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to After Buzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later.